Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Chuck Fulton. I serve as an elder here in the congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And now as we prepare for worship, would you please bow your heads in prayer? Let us pray. Living God, we come as your children to be reclaimed and blessed. We need the inner strength that comes to us through worship. All week long we have wrestled with emptiness and deceit on every hand. Take away the noisy clamor that would make us captives of human traditions. Turn us toward the source of our salvation, toward your steadfast love and faithfulness. Amen. And now as we worship together, let our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
every Sunday morning when the Church of Jesus Christ gathers to worship, we realize we worship with both the church visible and the church invisible. So hear these words from the Apostle John. These are they who come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And for this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them and they will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs, the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let us worship God. abounding in steadfast love to all who call on him. God is merciful and gracious and always faithful. Trusting the love and faithfulness of God, let us pray our confession together. O oh God, bring our evil to awareness so we can address it and rid of pardon. Forgive our iniquity and pardon our sin. Turn us away from false pride and violence. 
from lies and hardness of heart. Erase the record that stands against us. Restore us to a right relationship with you and with those from whom we are alienated. Grant us also the capacity to extend forgiveness to all who have wronged us. Have pity on us now, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord is near to us when we call on him in truth. He fulfills our desires. He hears our prayers and forgives us and saves us. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Now let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now, as God's forgiven children, we greet one another in Christ's name. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We are so 
glad to be together as the people of faith. Behind me on these slides, you will see some pictures from just yesterday, the day of hope that we had here at Church of the Palms, where our campus was crawling with people and volunteers and our guests who came from all over the community, children especially, who we were happy to outfit for uh, a year of school ahead, and it was a great joy uh, to have that chance, and we are just so thankful for the generosity of this congregation that made all of that possible. Over 200 children and their families were here to make um, uh, their way through the uh, the maze of uh, services that we were providing, and we were delighted to be able to do so. Uh, they walked away with backpacks and smiles and a full tummy and uh, gift cards for clothing and all kinds of good things that allowed them to uh, be ready for school, medical exams, dental exams, eye exams. So we are just grateful for the opportunity we've had to do this. And uh, we are thankful, especially to Dottie Tile. Dottie's right over there, and her sidekick, Bill Tile. Stand up, Dottie. That's all right, Dottie. Yes, yay. Yay, 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 yay. And uh, so many of our staff, some of them got here as early as 4 o'clock in the morning to begin flipping pancakes. And uh, so give a shout-out to Kathy Robinette if you see her over in the Campus Center. Yay. And our facilities crew who got here long before the sun rose to uh, make sure this campus was ready and to clean it up at the end and be ready for what we were doing this morning. So uh, give them another shout out, doggone it. So uh, we are just so grateful when the good Lord brings us together so that we can be about doing good things. So. We also want to uh, encourage you to take note of all the other mission opportunities we have here, working in the food pantry, tutoring will soon sh uh, show up. If you're thinking that there's only one day of hope in the year, actually, no, every day is a day of hope at Church of the Palms, and every day is an opportunity for us to serve our neighbor and to bring about the good news of Jesus Christ in the lives of those who come our way. Uh, Greg and Chris Callison will be here this afternoon, missionaries who are working with the Kurdish folks over in the Middle East, and uh, they are doing some great work and really on the front lines of everything you read about in the newspaper. Uh, if you want to talk to somebody who is on the front lines of what's going on in the Middle East, Iran, and other places, uh, these are people, we will be people here this afternoon at four o'clock over in the Campus Center, so come and join us for that. Sarasota Young Voices will be uh, having their camp in a uh, week or so, another week from this Monday. And uh, if you know uh, children, grandchildren in your life who would like to participate in a great, great, great children's choir, uh, come and let them, let them know about this great camp that we'll have a week from tomorrow. We received back as many as we sent out to Montreat. That's always a good sign. Uh, 31 of our youth came back late, late last night. Some of them I see are here uh, for a great week at Montreat and a great chance to learn about God and to be spiritually renewed. So we are delighted about that return. And we will be sending off on Saturday 26 more youth to Nicaragua along with five adults uh, who will be with them, and uh, they'll be learning about God's great mission in that part of the world, so you can keep them in your prayers as we continue in our effort to bring the light of Christ into the world. Always wonderful to have Betsy Traber with us this morning. Thank you for your great gifts and for the joy you give us, and let us now continue our worship.
I didn't read the small print. <laughs> that 11 a.m. I didn't see. Who plans the service anyway? Uh, we'd like to invite the new members to come forward, doggone it. Talk about awkward silences. Oops, and I don't have my little slip. Behind every successful senior pastor, there's a staff that couldn't be more surprised. <laughs> you have before you our newest members here at Church of the Palms. It is a joy that we get to invite all people to be a part of our church family here. And we are grateful for those who have heard that invitation and are part of our life here. So before you, as uh, I call your name, please raise your hands as you uh, face these good people, Ben and Judy Adams, right over there, David and Lori Bossman, over here, and Norma Benny Kamarik, over here. So welcome them into the, our life here. Now, if you would turn toward me. It is great to see your smiling faces and great to know that you have been a part of our life here at Church of the Palms for many weeks and months, perhaps even years, and we're delighted that you have decided to take this step to be a part of uh, the Fellowship of Christ here at Church of the Palms, and perhaps even more importantly, our mission to love God and to love neighbor. And so to that end, we are grateful that you're here to publicly profess your faith in Christ. So if you would pl please respond to these questions. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? Yes. And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way? And will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Yes. By your response to those questions, you have not only reaffirmed your faith in Jesus Christ, but you have acknowledged how important your life is within the life of the church. And we are grateful that God gives us the opportunity to be a part of his great community, to be that beacon of light in the world, and perhaps to make a day of hope for every soul in this community by our life together. So we rejoice in that and are grateful that we have the chance to be shoulder to shoulder with you in that mission as we seek to be Christ's light in the world. So to that end, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we rejoice that you are the God of welcome and invitation. You are the God who gathers us up, whether we have strayed away and have found ourselves to be lost sheep, or whether we have perhaps been close at hand, yet nevertheless, you gather all of your people from all the highways and byways of life into your great family of faith. We thank you today, O oh Lord, that you remind us through your Holy Spirit of our baptism in Christ. You remind us of how we are all your children. You remind us that we have been given this mission to tell all the world that they are the children of God and that God has embraced them with his love in Jesus Christ. 
So Lord, we pray that you will be with these good people as we come together to serve you in this world, that we may be a mission-minded church, that we may know that the gospel goes forth from here to all the corners of the world, and that we may find our own particular gift to use toward that mission. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will help us to rid the world of all the injustices that we face in this time. And we ask, Lord, that you will help us to be that unique witness that we may show the world that through our life together, you have a way of weaving all people into your family. So we thank you for this privilege we have of being the members of Church of the Palms and pray that through our life together and through the life of these new members, we may know that you are the one who has the power to do all things. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Welcome into the life of the church. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, yes. God bless you, yes. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Gracious God, we thank you for your generosity in our lives, for blessing us with all good things. Lord, we offer to you just a portion of what you have first given us. Use it, Lord. Multiply it. Bless it that we might even grow closer as we try to love you and love neighbor. Amen. I'd like to invite the children to come forward for the baptism. We get a front row seat and a dare who is our college intern who is shepherding these kids today. So come on over. All right. Hello, everybody. Good to see you all. Glad you are here to see another wonderful family before us to be have their little girl baptized, little Rose. We're grateful to have the Johnsons in front of us to celebrate their new uh, life in having a new one in their midst. You guys were that small once. <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> I hope not. Anyway, we're uh, grateful that we are uh, here to be mindful of the fact, as I mentioned earlier, that we all are part of the family of God and that we are all are God's children. Baptism tells us of something that's been true from the very start, that God loved us from the very beginning and God will never cease to love us. And so we rejoice that Rose is here to be a part of all that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So baptism is that time when we make promises, parents make promises, and the congregation make promises so that we can uh, pledge ourselves to be that family that surrounds this little girl that she may know as she participates in her life, in her family, and in God's family that God loves her and God surrounds her with his Holy Spirit and that Jesus Christ will be her friend, <laughs> sneezes and all. <laughs> So to that end, I would like to ask Seth and Erica if you would, and we're glad to have Stephanie with us too, and Stephanie is Erica's sister. You know, you can't really tell that, but uh, <laughs> we're glad to have you here to support this uh, great moment in Rose's life. So to that end, let's have you hands answer these questions as you bring Rose to be baptized. Do you reaffirm your own faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? Do you claim God's covenant promises on your child's behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do your own? And, will you, and do you now unreservedly promise and humble reliance upon God's grace to set before Rose an example of the new life in Christ? And do you, the members of this congregation, in the name of the whole Church of Christ, undertake with these parents the Christian nurture of their child so that in due time she may confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you? And will you endeavor by your example and fellowship to strengthen her ties with the household of God? Will you? Let us pray. We rejoice, O Lord, in your promise that whenever two or three are gathered in your name that you are here. We are grateful for the presence of your Son and for the presence of your Holy Spirit who gathers us up so that we can be included into the family of God. So we pray your blessing upon us, blessing upon this little girl and her parents and her aunt that they may know, O oh Lord, that you are the God and Father of us all and that you are the one who will be with us from the beginning until the end. For this we pray in Christ's name, amen. Well, hello. Hi there. Well, hello. Hello, hello. Oh, 
How are you? How are you? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Huh? Rose Charlotte Johnson, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's sing Jesus Loves Me. longer because I'm seeing how well this is working. We just want to officially welcome Rose into this faith family. You know, our vision for family ministry is that we create a sticky faith so that when our kids graduate and leave, they don't leave their faith behind. We had six seniors that went on the Montreat Youth Conference. In the blink of an eye, you're going to be putting Rose on a bus. I know it's hard to imagine. And you're going to have these adults pouring into her and listening to her when they, she might not be able to listen to you so much. So we are here with you for the journey. We would love to give you the certificate, this beautiful cross-stitch that a member in our congregation does and um, a Bible storybook that you can read together as a family, starting now and continuing on. God bless you. Thanks, oh God, for this little girl and for her presence in our life. We thank you for all precious lives and pray, Lord, that you will remind her always of how much she's loved by you and by your children. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, new beginnings, really awesome because she's part of this faith family now. You guys are going to go upstairs and watch part of Despicable Me, and you get to see how Gru has to have a new beginning up there as well. And Adair's going to take you up there, but first, let's pray together, shall we? Gracious God, we thank you for these children. We thank you for the adults who pour into their lives all in this effort to grow closer to you. Each day is a new day to love you and to love neighbor. Amen.
may be seated. Our scripture this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 14, beginning at the 13th verse, a story likely familiar to most of you, and yet perhaps we would ask God for the grace to hear it as if for the first time. Hear the word of God. Now, when Jesus heard this, that John the Baptist had been executed, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. And Jesus said to them, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. And they replied, we have nothing but five loaves and two fish. And he said, well, bring them here to me. And then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and all were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Come, thou fount of every blessing, and so fill these words to come that they may be the instrument of your Holy Spirit to simply point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. There is a cute little poem by Valerie Cox <clears throat> that tells of a woman traveling and making connections in some unknown airport. And because she's, she has time to kill, she goes and buys herself a book in the airport shop and a bag of cookies to enjoy while reading. She plops herself down and begins reading her book when a gentleman comes and sits down beside her. She notices a couple of minutes later that the man is reaching into her bag of cookies and taking one. She thinks this rather peculiar, so she quickly takes one. Sure enough, he takes another one, as does she. He takes one, she takes one, back and forth they go. And with every cookie this man takes, she's growing more and more incensed until there's only one cookie left. 
She wonders what this rather rude man is going to do with the one cookie left, and sure enough, he reaches into the bag, pulls it out, breaks it in half, and offers her the other half. She is now beside herself. Listen to how the poem concludes. She had never known when she, when she had been so galled and sighed with relief when her flight was called. She gathered her belongings and headed to the gate, refusing to look back at the thieving ingrate. She boarded the plane and sank in her seat, then sought her book, which was also almost complete. She reached in her baggage and gasped with surprise. There was her bag of cookies in front of her eyes. If mine are here, she moaned with despair, then the others were his and he tried to share. <laughs> Too late to apologize, she realized with grief that she was the rude one, the ingrate, the thief. Has there ever been a time when you wished you would have trust yourself less? Has there ever been a time when you discovered that your view of things, as sure as you were right that it was the right view, turned out to be so, so very much the wrong view? Has there ever been a time when the opinion you formed of a person or a situation, as clear as you were in your determination, you discovered later that you could not have been more off the mark? Each one of us, I can imagine, can think of someone in our high school class that got picked on a bit, you know, some kind of nerdy guy that in the social strata of high school was just not amounting to anything. Loser, we called him. And of course, at the 25th reunion, we discovered that the loser has turned out to be the winner. He has discovered the cure to 15 diseases and is gonna be on the cover of Time Magazine. No thanks to you. You missed it. You didn't see it. Tom Dempsey grew up with half of a foot ridiculed by just about every kid who came his way. What possible thing could Tom Dempsey do with half a foot? The only thing he could do is kick the longest field goal in NFL history, 63 yards, one of the most enduring records in all of professional sports. It's amazing, isn't it, how eager we are to trust our own view. Years ago, I remember walking into a convenience store and just outside I saw a bunch of kids who were kind of just hanging out, you know, loitering, looked like they were kind of up to no good. There's trouble, I said to myself. I wonder what's going to become of them. A week later, I was asked to pray at the local Boy Scout Court of Honor and saw one of those kids proudly holding up the American flag, all dressed in his uniform, his Eagle Scout medal pinned prominently. How eager we are to trust our own view of things. Now, before you start thinking this is going to be one of those sermons where, you know, you're asked to give up all semblances of common sense and not to apply your logical and analytical minds to the affairs of the world, it's not that kind of message. God gave us brains to reason, to discern, and to analyze. It's always good to remember that one plus one does equal two and that for every action there is a reaction. And yet the truth is our brains, our eyes, our common sense can sometimes betray us. They are not as pure as we want them to be. 
Francis Bacon, the philosopher, put it this way, the human mind resembles those uneven mirrors you see in the amusement park, which impart their own properties to different objects and distort and disfigure them. Best not always to trust your own view of things. So, Jesus is out with his disciples. He has just received some very, very, very bad news. His cousin, his forerunner, John the Baptist, has been beheaded inside the courts of Herod. This is greatly discouraging because, you know, John was one of the good guys, and he was family, and he had everybody's interest at heart. He had all of Israel's interest at heart. And now John has been murdered by a despot. And upon receiving this news, we're told in Matthew's gospel that Jesus retreats to a deserted place all by himself. And when you read in scripture that Jesus is retreating, what you're reading is that Jesus is going off to pray. He is, he is communing with the creator. Because you see, when you get news like this, this devastating kind of news, this sort of hopeless kind of news, it's news like that that can affect your whole view of things. It can make you even grow cynical or grow indifferent to say maybe, you know, I don't really care. No point of being a good person doesn't get you anywhere. So maybe to guard against such distinctions, Jesus retreats and has conversation with his Father in heaven to gather up perhaps once again the Father's view of the world, the Father's view of his mission, to remember perhaps that despite the Herods, God still loves the world. So maybe it explains that when Jesus came upon the great crowd after his retreat, the crowd of likely 10,000 people or more, when Jesus comes upon this great crowd, he didn't say, ah, go find yourselves another Messiah. Go find yourself another good do-gooder to abuse. Go find yourself another prophet to behead. No, Matthew tells us that when Jesus saw the crowd after his retreat, he had compassion for them. He maybe didn't trust his own view. He trusted the Father's view. He had compassion for them. He healed them. He taught them. He loved them. He loved them all the way until it was evening, and when it was evening, it was the disciples who put on their analytical minds and surveyed the expanse of the crowd and calculated the position of the sun in the sky, and with, oh, loving and compassionate hearts, to be sure, said to Jesus, best now to send the folks away so they have time to go into the towns to get themselves some dinner to eat. And then Jesus zings them with this one. They need not go away. You, you give them something to eat. <laughs> uh, Jesus, come on now. <laughs> we got like 10,000 people out here. Really? You give them something to eat. <laughs> but we've got nothing. We have nothing. 
but these five loaves and two fish. We have nothing but. Do you hear the distortion in that sentence? Do you, do you see the funny house mirror the disciples are putting upon these five loaves and two fish? We have nothing. They are trusting their own view on this. Uh, we've got five to 10,000 people out there, Jesus, and, and we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. We've got seven pieces of food here, Jesus. We have nothing. So Jesus asks for the five loaves and two fish, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and gathers them up together and takes them into his hands. And now there is this eighth element, this eighth element. The, the seven have now become eight. Eight is when you, when you take nothing, when you take the seven and you put it into the blessed imagination of God, into this blessed imagination of God. Jesus lifts the seven and, and blesses them and lifts them to heaven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and lifts them up to heaven and breaks the loaves and gives them back to the disciples. And the disciples begin the distribution in all eight Matthew tells us all ate and were filled, and when dinner was over, they had leftovers. Those disciples were so sure they had seen seven. They, one, two, three, four, five, they counted seven, five loaves, two fish, five loaves, two fish, seven little pieces of food, and that cannot feed 10,000 people. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They were so sure of their view of things, but Jesus, with the blessed imagination, Jesus counted to eight, and with eight, oh, you can feed an army with eight. Oh, you can get leftovers when you... When you have eight, with eight, you start to see miracles. My friend Jonathan reminds me, with eight, you flip that over and you get the sign of infinity. It's the eighth element that, when introduced into the equation, changes the math. You could see the disciples had only learned to count to seven. They had only learned to, to add up demand, subtract supply. That's what you get, Jesus. Economics 101. Not more basic than that. And of course it's true when you only count to seven. But when you count to eight, when you start to believe that maybe your view is not the only view, it's when you begin to take what you have, you lift it to heaven and you say, what do you think? What do you think? What do you imagine we can do with these things? It's only then that you begin to see what's really possible. In the middle of Tehran, there stands the Golestan Palace, the home of generations of kings and shahs. And I'm told that as you walk into the grand entrance of this palace, you are greeted with the overwhelming sight of glittering, sparkling glass. You, you swear that the domed ceilings and walls and columns are covered with diamonds. But upon close inspection, what you can see is that they're just little pieces of mirror. And these fragmented pieces of mirror reflect the light in a million ways that you swear you are inside a crystal palace. 
As the story goes, when designing the palace, that was not the original plan. The original plan had been for mirrors, solid mirrors, to be hung from floor to ceiling, wall to wall, which in itself would really be an amazing sight. The, the mirrors were ordered from France and sent, but they shattered in rout. And when they opened the crates in Tehran, all that came out were broken pieces of mirror. And so the builder wired the architects and said, we have nothing. We have nothing but just a bunch of broken glass. And just before they threw it away, another designer wondered if they could fit all these little pieces of mirror into a mosaic of glass upon the walls and ceilings. What might that look like? And they discovered something more beautiful. We have nothing but 10 million pieces of glass. Is that all you can count to? Or is it 10 million and one? So the disciple Peter goes to Jesus and says, how many times must I forgive my brother? Seven times? Is seven times enough? And Jesus says, Oh, you should count to eight, and nine, and ten, and each time give it over to me, your attempts at forgiveness, and let me see what I can do with them. Seven days, the good book says, seven days it took for the good Lord to create. Seven days, and included in those seven days was a day of rest. That's how it all got set up for you and me, the human rhythm, the human cycle of time, seven days in a week, seven days in a week, and the seventh day even left to ponder the blessed imagination of what God might do with what we've done. The seventh day, a day to hand over time to God and God's blessed imagination. What might you do with what we've done? But we count seven days, and what do we say? Not enough. <laughs> Not enough days in a week, we say. We have nothing. And the good Lord says, but I'm in charge of the eighth day. Did you know that the world community has the potential of feeding every single human being? Every single human being. There is enough food in this planet for every single human being. Human being. Not one person has to go hungry. But we only count to seven. The world has the potential of eliminating every single nuclear weapon on the face of the globe. But we can only count to seven. The world has the potential of ensuring that every child gets vaccinated and every child gets an education, but we can only count to seven. We have the potential of cleansing the continent of Africa from the scourge and epidemic of AIDS, but we can only count to seven. We saw some of that yesterday. A few of us gathered up some loaves and fish and put them into some backpacks on the Day of Hope and outfitted 250 children for school, and that was just one day of hope, one day of hope. And every day gets to be a day of hope when you take the seven and you give it to the master and he turns it into eight. 
We just have to trust ourselves less and trust the blessed imagination more. One of the prayer books I use invites the supplicant in a time of confession and does so with these words. Do not be afraid to ask the Lord for a deeper mistrust of yourself and a more profound trust in God. A deeper mistrust of yourself and a more profound trust in God. Oh, my friends, we have been given, we have been given great gifts, have we not? We have been given gifts for the world. We have been given the seven for the world. And if we could just trust ourselves less and our Father more, maybe losers would become winners. Maybe troublemakers would become Boy Scouts. Maybe hungry mouths would be fed. Maybe guilty souls would be forgiven. Maybe dying people would become well. If we would just trust ourselves less and trust our Father more, if we could only but learn from Jesus how to count to eight.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Mm -hmm.